Welcome to United Talk, where we talk Atlanta United. I'm Jackson Popkin, along with Kyle Soto, not in our usual Grady studio, because we're spring breaking it, uh, both at home, recording over Zoom, making the most of it. Um, yeah, so Sunday, this weekend, Charlotte FC comes to town. Um, but before that, we will get into last weekend's results against Colorado. Um, really a tale of two Uniteds uh, over the opening two games of the year. Um, a great, exciting victory against Sporting Kansas City to start off with and then just crashing back down with a 3-0 loss uh, in Colorado. Um, the debut of the Forest City kit um, was great, but the game itself, not so much. Uh, no snow in the forecast. That was probably the most exciting part was before the game. Uh, so no orange ball appearance, disappointing. Um, we can get into some of the match recap. Uh, to start off with, Atlanta United was very much into the game to start off with. Tyler Wolf in the around the eighth minute had a great scoring opportunity, probably the best of the night for Atlanta. Um, but a great kick save from Colorado's keeper denied Atlanta the lead. Um, and from there, Colorado worked their way back into it very even until uh, Diego Rubio header in the 33rd minute uh, from close range, just past Brad Guzan made it one nil. And Joseph with a chance just before the half time whistle blew, uh, had the ball. If I remember correctly, played to him right at the penalty marker, but couldn't really control it. Couldn't put it in the back of the net, went into halftime one nil. And then just into the second half after the restart, Rubio this time assisting Jonathan Lewis to make it two. And from there, Atlanta United could not find their way back in the game despite some subs, despite uh, Marcelino Moreno coming in, could not get find their foot and get back into the game. And then in the 86th minute, Miles showing a second yellow on a really rough looking challenge. And then immediately a minute, like a minute later, Andre Shinyashiki uh, makes it three, uh, basically running in behind in the spot where Miles was formerly. So much to, to talk about, much to look forward to this weekend. We'll see if Atlanta United can return to their week one performance or if the Colorado result was a sign of things to come, which is doubtful considering all the injuries. Um, Kyle, I know you were uh, out of the country over the weekend. Um, so from what you've seen, any, uh, any thoughts, any uh, yeah, real thoughts on this past weekend's performance? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I want to preface, I didn't see the game. I only saw the highlights and I've looked at the stats and, try to catch up on things. I was on a cruise. So I was completely disconnected uh, from everything, which is kind of nice. But when I did have a chance to look at, um, you know, the game, I open up my fought mob app and I look at the lineup. And my first thought is like, why is George Campbell playing in the midfield? What, what happened? <laughs> Cause I had no idea what had happened with the uh, Aussie Alonzo. And, you know, today there was a report that he's back in training. Um, he's been cleared to go. So good news on that front, but yeah, honestly, I was just really shocked. I was just really shocked because, you know, the Rapids haven't had a good start to the season. They had been shut out in all of their games. So, you know, up until the Atlanta game, 
And then, you know, for Atlanta to go there and lose three zeros, just not really what I was expecting, despite all of the, you know, absences with the injuries and visa issues. So that was interesting to see. But yeah, the lineup really just kind of threw me off. It's like, a, you know, the back line is more or less what you would expect a first choice lineup to be. But that midfield is still lacking a lot of players, um, you know, Marsadic, Mateus Hosetu, who from what I saw in the stats, in the stats columns, he seemed to have a good game. George Campbell, he actually told me in an interview like two years ago that he played in the midfield and at the academy level. So he does have some experience there. And it looks like he did pretty well in that spot, um, you know, with all things considered. Then, you know, Brooks Lennon on the right wing, Tyler Wolf, Joseph Martinez, you know, Luis Araujo's absence. There's just a lot going on. So I guess, you know, it shouldn't be that surprising. But then I look at the possession and I see that Atlanta finished with 60, roughly 64% possession to Colorado's 36. And if you look at the MLS soccer's like game page of the match between Atlanta and Colorado, Atlanta was pretty much dominating possession in every five minute interval also. So it was just like complete dominance of the ball. Um, just from what I saw in the stats, but that's pretty much some of my takeaways. And then, you know, Atlanta, they were they had a they had more shots than Colorado, twelve and nine. And I I just read that the storyline really was just wasteful chances, just not taking the chances. So that's pretty much what I took away from it. Yeah, the scoreline really does not reflect. I feel like Atlanta's performance. Uh, the three goals, I mean, the one goal after the red card. Um, I think game's already going downhill at that point. You're pushing uh, players forward. Uh, the one sort of negative performance, uh, Alan Franco's return to the 11 uh, didn't go ideally. Uh, the, f- the first two goals let in were some, made basically on some mistakes by him positioning-wise, um, not sticking with his man uh, on those crosses into the box. And we had talked last week about how the competition worked with George Campbell and Alan Franco. And I'm sure we'll see with Miles red card this week um, that Franco will remain in the 11, uh, potentially partnered with Campbell now that Miles camp will be suspended for Sunday. Um, It was interesting to see, Campbell in that defensive midfield role. I thought he did well in that role. Uh, he obviously didn't look uncomfortable and he was able to push forward more, which is exciting. Uh, in week one, he had some dribbling opportunities and he did make the most of those. I was impressed with his uh, ball control dribbling ability on the back line. But for this upcoming week. Wait, just want to say one thing before we move on to the, you know, the preview. Um, yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Mateus Rosetu because I'm looking at the stats and he's near the top in pretty much every category you want him to be in, you know, shots. He led the team with three shots, Um, chances created. He was, he had two. uh, So did Brooks Lennon, Tyler Wolf, Andrew Gutman, top three for Atlanta in terms of completed passes with 57. I haven't, I haven't looked at the past maps. I'm not sure a lot of these are just side to side or backwards, which is something that we've seen from him before, but he also completed the most final passes or the he completed the most passes in the final third out of anyone on the team. Um, so just a lot of different categories where he kind of stood out. What what did you see just watching the game? What did you think of his performance? 
I liked his attacking ability in this game. I know he created, he had a few crosses in, I think the cross to Joseph at the end of the first half where they could have made it even one apiece was from Hosetsu. And yeah, his three shots all coming right at the top of the box, not afraid to have a go, especially um, with uh, Moreno getting subbed on. Um, Moreno came in and also kind of took some of the attacking brunt, uh, really started taking it himself, pushing forward with the ball, having shots. And that's what Atlanta United needed. They were in control of possession most of the time, but the quality of the chances created just wasn't there. And for most of the game, most of the second half at least, down 2-0, uh, if you can get a spark and you can get something going, then the comeback's on. And for Hosetsu, really controlling the ball, shuttling it forward, um, feeding Joseph, I thought he was definitely the best player on the field for Atlanta that day. Yeah, and there's even some, like, defensive stat. You know, the the tackles won. He had two tied it with Alan Franco and Amar Sadich. And he had nine recoveries. Only Ronald Hernandez had more than him with 10. So it seems like even yeah. on the defensive side of the ball, in that midfield, he was doing a pretty good job. And especially considering he probably has the most experience out of anyone in that midfield trio, considering who's, who else was in there with him. So pretty good. It's just nice to see that Mateus Rosetsu, good performance from him on a you know pretty bad day for Atlanta. So. Definitely, yeah. Hopefully uh, this coming weekend with the added – uh, midfield reinforcements, he can hold that position down on his own. I know before the season started, we were that was one of the bigger questions was what will the midfield three look like for Gonzalo Pineda with all of the options he has. And with that midfield competition, Hazetsu's really been standing out these first two games uh, and really staking his claim in the starting 11. And we'll see if he can continue that as the season progresses. So, yeah, moving on to this Sunday. Uh, lots of injuries last game, and we're seeing how the recovery process has been going for Atlanta United. On Wednesday, uh, Santiago Sosa, Emerson Hyman, and Jake Mulraney returned to training, uh, while Almada, Ozzy Alonso, Franco Ibarra, and Machado Chol were all absent, according to Doug Roberson, who was present. Uh, and then Later in the week, uh, on 92.9 of the game, Mike Conti interviewing Darren Eels claimed that he was optimistic to have Ozzy Alonso and Tiago Almada available for Sunday's match against Charlotte. And just the, earlier this morning, Doug Roberson tweeting out that Ozzy Alonso and Tiago Almada were in training Friday, as well as Emerson Heinemann, um, although he is listed out on the injury report. Uh, Alonso Almada listed as questionable. Actually, Alonzo not listed as questionable. Alonzo is fully cleared. Uh, also, a statement put out by the team earlier today. Um, yeah, so reinforcements coming in for Atlanta. Um, Kyle, do you think that we'll see full returns to the starting 11 for this weekend for some of these players, or will Pineda lean towards keep like playing them off of the bench and getting them some shorter minutes as their recovery continues. 
Yeah, I think it's really just a case-by-case basis. Like, for example, Tiago Amada, he's not coming off an injury. He's coming into the team really for the first time since, like, playing 60 minutes in, in Mexico in preseason. So I think for Almada, he's going to more than likely just come off the bench as a late sub, just depending on how the game goes. I mean, I'd be surprised if he starts just based on the fact that really he's only getting three, two, two to three days of training in with the team. So probably coming off the bench for him. Um, with Alonzo, it's, it's, I still don't really know the full timeline of like what happened with everything with him in my head. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they said that he's good to go today. So who knows if he's, you know, been training, you know, actually like running and stuff and maintaining his fitness when he was going through this whole process. I'd love to see Ozzy Alonso return to the 11 ideal in the ideal world. Uh, he could do that just because of the miles Robinson absence and who would be partnered with. I prefer George Campbell to be partnered with Alan Franco in the back line. Uh, Cause if not, then you're going down to, I guess, Alex DeJohn filling in that role. And I'm much more comfortable with George Campbell being in the back line. I think he did well uh, against Kansas City. And even against Colorado, he wasn't bad. So I'd love to see that be the back line to start out with against Charlotte. And I saw that, um, you know, the the club put out a video of Santiago Sosa basically just saying that he was back and he's excited and ready to go. But who knows how much fitness he has? I mean, he's still recovering from that uh, sports hernia surgery from last season. So probably not going to see him either. So I think it'll be more or less the same lineup. So hopefully with Ozzy back in, obviously Miles is missing. And then hopefully some more some more depth on the bench, just able to come in and make a difference. Yeah, maybe we'll see more of Dom Dwyer. He did make an appearance in Colorado as the team was looking to push forward. Uh, didn't really get much done. No shots, uh, two passes total in his 18 minutes. Uh, and then Caleb Wiley coming in uh, at – I guess he played in a more attacking role as well. Came on for Brooks Lennon. I remember – yeah. And so it's a lot of these players. We could see Moreno returning to the 11 as well uh, as part of that midfield trio, which I would not be complaining about. I think he – brought a lot a much different dynamic to the team uh, in terms of like dribbling ability, running at goal, being really direct with those, with those types of plays. Yeah. And even with like one or two of these guys coming back, it's just a boost for Pineda because the team is just really bare bones right now. I think it's just missing a lot of players. So even one or two of these guys would be a huge boost for Atlanta, I think. And obviously, you know, we're going to get to the Charlotte side of things soon, but you know, it's a home game, and Charlotte obviously isn't doing too well this season. So any boost at all would probably be really beneficial uh, for this game on Sunday. Right. And so moving into Charlotte FC, uh, obviously their first year, their inaugural season, not start, not off to a great start. Um, 0-2, 0-2-0, win-lose draw to start their first ever season. Week one, a 3-0 loss away to D.C. And then last weekend, the big uh, big news headline grabbing uh, attendances didn't really work out on the scoreline. A, a narrow 1-0 loss, but really not reflected of the total performance. Uh, Charlotte being outshot by L.A. 21-5 overall on the day. 
So overall, to preview Charlotte, I'd say not to like just continually beat on them too much, but not very threatening uh, coming into the weekend. Their attack, their sole designated player, I am totally going to butcher his name, but that's okay. Carol Swiderski. Solid. Seems right. That. Maybe. Seems right. <laughs> uh, only one shot uh, in their in his first appearance that last weekend in their home opener. Uh, fun fact that I saw on the MA United website as we were preparing for the podcast. Christian Fuchs, uh, their big name center back from Leicester City, leads the team in shots with three in their two total games. So yeah, the attack, not a huge threat. I mean, knock on wood, it's probably gonna come back to bite me. But I think looking at this game, feeling a lot more confident that Atlanta can turn the tide around and recover from the past weekend. Yeah, and from you know, from the Charlotte perspective, they actually announced today that they signed a, another de- designated player from Derby in the English Championship pending a visa. I'm also going to butcher this guy's name. I don't even want to try to be honest, but uh, also Polish. Yeah. Love Cam- some Poles. Yeah. Camille Joswiak. I know that's not right guys, but come on. We we're trying, I mean, we're trying. <laughs> the letters are in the right place. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, he's coming in as a winger. Um, there's an article about it on MLSsoccer.com from Tom Bogert. So it, it looks like they're, you know, Charlotte's kind of starting to get their roster together, even though we're already like in, like three games into the season at this point, but it's MLS, you know, you can get your stuff together halfway through the season and still win MLS cup. So shout out Seattle Sounders. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, he's definitely not going to be able to play in this game on Sunday, you know, still waiting for that visa to come through. And, you know, we all know how, if you're listening to this podcast, you know how a visa situation can take a while uh, for certain clubs. So, you know, I think for this game on Sunday, they're still going to be pretty weak in the attack. I think Atlanta will be able to afford to just go forward and take more risks because Charlotte doesn't really pose much of a, of a threat going the other way. So, and it's pretty cool to see things starting to take off on Twitter a little bit between Atlanta and Charlotte. Um, <laughs> yeah, just today it's been a little bit of back and forth. Yeah, good to see they're leaning into that. Other news for Charlotte. Um, earlier this week on Wednesday, traded 300000 total in GAM for Houston Dynamo midfielder Derek Jones. Um, not a huge impact signing, I don't think, but he could bring something that they think that they're missing to the team. I wouldn't know what that is, not being a big-time Charlotte uh, fan and on top of that, but it's something that could impact uh, Sunday's game. And another thing that could impact Sunday's game in a much more relevant way, Anton walks back in training uh, as of today, actually. Uh, back in Charlotte training. He hasn't featured so far um, out with an injury. I'm not entirely sure what that injury is. But he returned to the training ground this morning with Charlotte. And to play his former team, one that, I mean, I'd say almost ripped away from him in the expansion draft. 
uh, would be good. And I'm sure Atlanta fans would give him a warm welcome back to Mercedes-Benz Stadium uh, with all of the service he's given to the team. Um, and with his return, he's a solid defender. We know that being watching Atlanta United all last season could make things a little more difficult for Atlanta's attack to pile on the shots as we've seen DC and LA do. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there's no like ill will between the player and the team. It was just a circumstance of the expansion draft and the club opted not to protect him. Charlotte pounced on it, but you know, he's a professional. The fans love him. Um, he was a great player for the, for Atlanta United. So if he is able to play and he is in the stadium, I'm sure that, you'll get a really warm round of applause, a really warm welcome from everyone in the Mercedes-Benz. So just another storyline to keep your eye on. And with that, uh, that wraps up our previews of the two sides for this weekend. Uh, Kyle, any score prediction? Any, uh, yeah, major predictions for Sunday's game? Hmm. I feel like Joseph will get his first goal of the season. I feel like that's been kind of a talking point from what I've seen, just the fact that he hasn't scored the season yet. But no, he's Joseph Martinez. You can never, you never, you can't count him out. You know, it's always, he's always going to be a threat. Um, oh, I don't know. I just want to say, like, oh man, I don't know. Score predictions are tough. They're tough. I feel like Atlanta will keep a clean sheet and they'll score two goals. Joseph gets one. I'm not sure who gets the other, but maybe they come off the bench. Maybe it's Dom Dwyer again. We'll see. Yeah, that'd be a sight. Dom Dwyer with another goal and another home game. I would say 2-0 as well. Uh, I think Atlanta's defense can hold uh, Charlotte to a clean sheet, um, which I guess the last – my mind just goes to the Nashville game, and uh, Nashville scoring their inaugural goal against Atlanta United. But three games in – uh, you, you think Charlotte it's getting closer but I f- and then with the absence of Miles Robinson obviously slightly weaker in the defense but I think yeah definitely that LA United has the ability to shut out Charlotte at home and I agree with Joseph he should have in my opinion been able to finish that one he had another chance against uh, Colorado last weekend so the service is there Brooks Lennon and uh, Mateus Rosetto uh, feeding him. And then if we get see more minutes from Marcelino Moreno, should definitely add to the attack. And I would say, yeah, Joseph won, Moreno with the other. And LA United walks away 2-0 back on track in 2022. I think it'll also be interesting to just see how many Charlotte fans make the journey, you know, from Charlotte to Atlanta because – you know, most of the time, whenever there's a big group of away fans, they always sit in the section right below the press box. And we're able to see them cheering and chanting. So it's, it's always really cool. So I'm just interested to see, you know, how many make the trip down. And I know there was a pretty good amount of fans that went up to their first game in D.C. So, you know, obviously they have that traveling support that's willing to go most places. So should be a, should be a good time. Um, it's always fun when there's a pretty significant away section. And that's another element to the to the stadium. Normally when Atlanta's doing well, you can't really hear them that much compared to the Atlanta fans, but you know, it would be interesting to see that. 
yeah, I love a good away section of stadium. Um, and that's part of what made just thinking about back to MLS cup. So great. I was so glad it was Portland. That was the opponent because just the numbers and the ways they traveled with just made the whole, ex the whole game experience just that much better. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how many make the trip. Uh, I know Mint City Collective, and then obviously with the almost 75,000 they had present over the weekend, making headlines with that, uh, should be good. And, and they've also been, you know, looking forward to playing Atlanta for a while. I know even Charlotte and Atlanta Academies playing each other. I know like last year they played it at Bank of America Stadium and like live streamed it just to sort of further uh, nudge along that Atlanta Charlotte rivalry. And then also the whole king and queen. And then like, there's some similarities in the logo as well, which is in the logo design. So kind of interesting. A few, the rivalry, can't quite call it a rivalry yet. You know, still early on, but. Yeah, we're not, we're not falling for it, MLS. We're not going to call yeah. every team. We're not going to call every game a derby, every team a rival. It's not going to happen. But Any team within driving distance. <laughs> exactly. I was actually reading um, Tyler Pilgrim's post on the DSS website. You know, he does those Friday recaps, which was actually really helpful for me this week because I had no idea what had happened. So thanks to Tyler for doing that. But he was throwing out some potential names for the, you know, for the derby between Atlanta and Charlotte, if we're going to call it a derby. But there's some there's some good names in there. I like the King and Queen Cup. That was one that kind of stood out to me. The Cola Cup, the Deep South Derby, the Deep Fried Derby. So there's there's a lot going on. Um so, you know, the cool names are half of the half of the derby, I guess. Right now, obviously, hardly any ill will, I'd say, between the teams. And even like with Nashville, that being a quote unquote rivalry, um, it's really more of a fun trip than like uh, uh, we hate them. We're going to go in there and take over. Um, yeah, it's more just like some Southern hospitality, you know? Yeah, especially with Nashville, considering they're in the Western Conference now. I think Atlanta only plays right. them one time this season. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be coming back to the Eastern Conference next season. Yeah, with St. Louis. So, yeah, so it's always fun. But, yeah, all the local, te all the local teams, quote-unquote, all the rivals. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, it should be fun. So... As we get toward the end of this episode, we'll wrap up with a little bit of fantasy talk. Uh, before so, you, wait, so before you get into your fantasy thing, I want to talk about mine real quick from last week. Yeah, go so for it. Basically, I auto-filled a lot of spots and did not pay off for me. I was kind of rushing and get it done before I left for my trip. So the most points I got for, from one player was Lucas Zellerion with 15. I made Chicharito my captain. I thought he was going to score against Charlotte and... I didn't watch the game. I didn't really look at the stats, but I saw they were outshot like 25. I think we mentioned it earlier. It was yeah. like 21 to five. So that could have been helpful if Chicharito had scored, but not as um, not as clutch as he was in week one. So like, how did last week go for you and for your fantasy team? Yeah, I also banked on Chicharito and Carlos Vela. Uh, yeah, Chicharito with a whopping three. Vela with a whopping one. I think he got sold out at halftime. So not great performances from them in terms of fantasy. Um, overall, like 80 points. Can't really complain. I had Lucas Celeron as my captain. So that doubled his 15 up to 30, which was good for me. And then, yeah, Carl's heel, always a good pick, no matter the opponent. Uh, he's usually good. His floor is pretty high for some double digits. 
Um, but as for this week, the games I'm looking forward to, I'm really going to just bank hard on specific matches. And for me, the ones that are really tasty, Orlando hosting Cincinnati, LAFC away to Miami, uh, Columbus hosting Toronto, and then, of course, Atlanta hosting Charlotte all look like good opportunities to rack up points uh, for attackers and defenders. Uh, obviously, Charlotte hasn't scored yet. Um, Miami has given up, I don't even know how many goals, like nine goals through two games, something crazy like that. So for me this week, that's going to be my game plan. Uh, bank on them. Uh, Kyle, are you looking forward to any games, players in specific, or are you rolling with the autofill once more? No, I'm, I'm not going to roll with autofill this time. I'm going to try to – I think I, I have more time this week to actually sit down and look at what I want to do, but – yeah, I mean, any game that Cincinnati's involved in, you gotta you gotta just you know put some players in from the other team. This week it's Orlando, uh, so you know might might get some good points from that one. Um, LAFC against Miami, like you just said, a lot of potential there. Um, I'm actually looking at the schedule, and Atlanta and Charlotte and New York and Minnesota are the only two games on Sunday, so there's gonna be a lot of action going on tomorrow on Saturday. But yeah. Really, Cincinnati, Miami. You just, if they keep playing the yeah. way they have been, there's a lot of points to be had there from their opponents. So yeah, you get you get three players max uh, from each team. So there's six players done right there. Just pick and choose from that uh, narrows it down. Narrows your options down for you. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to some competition. Hopefully, I'll rise up in the standings some more. It took a little bit of a dip this past week. <laughs> What um? What's your position right now in the DSS league? In the DSS league, I am thirteenth out of one forty nine. Dang man, I'm eighty ninth. I got to step it up. This is embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> what about wait? What about the overall ML, MLS league? Overall, we're looking at three forty six. Dang man, you are killing it. I'm at five thousand three hundred and forty four. <laughs> so this is this is pretty embarrassing. Um, gonna have to step it up. Still, still time. Still time. Yeah, I'm going to need like a learn more about it, the league this year. Yeah. I'm going to need like a Leicester-esque escape from relegation and then just fight, fight my way <laughs> to the top. So just to wrap up uh, this week with a, with our shout out of the week, uh, just probably the one of the best tweets I saw over the weekend. Um, underneath the MLS tweet with the final result from the Colorado game, uh, there's a reply from one account saying the Rapids paid the refs, which, yeah, maybe a little salty. Maybe the account's not even from an Atlanta fan. So tweet's not from an Atlanta fan. So, but the reply to it, hilarious. Uh, Judgmental Jim on Twitter replies to the claim that the Rapids paid the refs with, bro, we don't even pay for players, which just really adds salt to the wound on the 3-0 result. But, just the perfect response to that. Um, and so, yeah, shout out to you, Judgmental Jim. Uh, brought a smile to my face despite that awful result. Yeah, and just an honorary mention. I feel like I got to throw this in here today. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but Atlanta United is kind of stepping up the banter a little bit between them and Charlotte. If you go to atlutd.com slash media slash policies, uh, 
you're in for a surprise. It's pretty funny. They also tweeted out something. I think Charlotte first tweeted something out saying, you know, it's, you know, how Atlanta has the uh, five stripe. What is it again? I'm, I'm blanking. Five stripe Friday. Yeah. Five stripe Friday. Um, Charlotte is trying to start their own for the crown Friday and Atlanta, Atlanta got in a little cheeky joke there. So check that out on Twitter. It's pretty funny to just kind of see the team showing a bit more personality on, on the timeline. I think it's always, it's always pretty funny when two teams are kind of going back and forth. So that's, that's something else to keep out, keep an eye on in terms of, you know, the culture, the, uh, the good t- the good times between the two teams online. So. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's no it's no billboard in the opposing team city, but uh, <laughs> it's it's always fun to see. So yeah, just to wrap up, uh, Atlanta United and Charlotte FC facing off on Sunday afternoon, four thirty. Uh, you can watch it on Fox Sports One, Fox Deportes. Uh, Kyle and I will both be present uh, for that. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll see if Atlanta United can right the ship, get back to winning ways. Thanks, y'all, for watching, for listening, as always. Um, really appreciate it. And we will see y'all next week.